Hey, welcome to the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so, 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 so much for joining me today. My guests today um, are, my cat is just knocking the camera all over the place. All right, that's all good. My guests today are Set the Tone T and Shadow. They are a couple from San Antonio, the San Antonio area, and they are rappers, singers, and they just put out an album called Redox that I absolutely love. I've been following them for a little while on social media. They got a really great energy. They, um, they flow really well together, and I think you're going to want to check them out because they have a lot of promise and they're going to put out a lot of very interesting music over the years. They both have a lot of uh, great stories and opinions on music and just um, we talk a lot about a lot of cool stuff here. So hope you enjoy the episode. I'm going to put a song on at the end, uh, one of their songs, and uh, check it out. All right. Peace. Computer. All right, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Our guests here are Set the Tone T and Shadow from San Antonio. How are you doing today? What's up? Good. Doing good. good. Blessed, blessed to be alive. Yep. Excellent. I know that feeling. Um, so you guys have a new album out, Redox, that just came out um, in March, right? Yeah, yes, March, March 19th. March 19th. Awesome. I got a chance to listen to it today and I really dig it. Um, you guys got a great sound that the whole city in general has got a really great sound. I think this album, it's it's just um it's a combination of a lot of different things. I heard a lot of different influences there in like subtle ways, and I don't know, it really dragged me in. So mm-hmm. definitely yeah. go check that out. So um talk a little bit about you two are a couple and you are also musical partners, correct? Yes. Yes. All right, so how do you guys get started? What? Um, <laughs> uh, so we've been together for what was it maybe about like three four months already um before even thinking about making an album together even doing music together so he would kind of do his thing off on his own and then I would do my thing working with other artists um and really just make my own music um, but it got to a point actually where I couldn't pay for studio time anymore because I had moved to a new apartment and everything. Um, and he's like, well, I record myself. So he started um, offering to record me. And that's kind of where we got into each other's like music making process where uh, we intertwined just him starting to record me. And then um, I think just naturally um, we had finished, I finished a project of my own, an EP, and then he had finished a few singles that he wanted to get done. And naturally that was, it just came about like the next step. Like what if we did an album together? Yeah. And I think our like chemistry was growing even more like working together, so. Yeah, I, I didn't necessarily want to like jump right into it um, yeah. and making music as soon as like we got together. I kind of wanted to build a foundation first between me and her and I wanted to see like where our chemistry would go first mm-hmm. and you know as as a little bit of time went on I started to see that we could because I had a previous project before this one called the Aquaman tape and um you know she she got on one of my last tracks on there after wow. it was released and um that was pretty that was that was kind of like the introduction of what it could be if me and her worked together and um that was that was a whole vibe in itself. So I felt like we could take it a step further and do like a whole, you know, a whole project together. So yeah, we we were we were actually in the middle of working with like a bunch of other creatives when we finally decided, all right, like I think it's time for us to lock in and do this project. 
So, you know, in the midst of that, like we we finally like locked in together and like got that going. Yeah, so- I actually I actually skipped two or two singles that we did together and you just reminded me. I forgot we had work together. <laughs> but it was just a little bit. So we did one song, like he said, he had his whole Aquaman tape. Um, but that was already out and he sent me a song called Not It. And I just liked it so much. I was like, well, I want to be on this song. So we did a remake, a remix, if you will. And I jumped on that song. And then we did an on-spot studio session with one of his friends, who's an engineer, uh, producer. Yeah, shout out to Jake. Um, Where we sat in, and I'm normally not the type of person to write on the spot, but we sat in with Jake. He made the beat on spot. And then me and him sat there and wrote together. And I felt so comfortable doing that. I think that was my first taste of like realizing we could work together um, when it came to music too. Yeah, that's interesting too, because it's a whole different chemistry. I I was in a group, Mike Monarchy, years ago. It was me and, and three other guys, two were rappers. And I was a rapper and he's a DJ. And it you realize how quickly that being in a band is like being in a relationship with multiple people, which usually doesn't go very well. And so it's in the, there's definitely there's chemistry. I mean, there's a lot. Of, I have friends who are great artists, but we don't work well together. So we just don't work together. And um, regardless of whether we'd like to or not, but I mean, to have both of those is, is a pretty, pretty nice thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it's, you know, it's had its, it's had its like challenges and us yeah. like learning how to work with each other, you know. It brought yeah. out all the monsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It definitely really brought out all the monsters in between. It was all sweet at first. Like, yeah, we're going to get this done. And then by the end, we like hated each other. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. You don't realize how much you can argue over like one like um one dub that doesn't quite sound right or something like that. You're just like, wow, because you're like, well, this is for history. This is this is I'm not going to change this later. And, and people start digging their heels in. I've definitely exactly done a little that. bit of that. One thing I do want to say uh, about us working together um, on music on a whole album as a couple is I really didn't want it to sound like a couple. I wanted, well, I didn't want the whole thing to be that. So, of mm-hmm. course, like, let, you know, those songs come naturally. But I definitely wanted to explore, like, you just as a rapper and then me as a rapper um, and just have some songs that weren't so lovey-dovey. Yeah. We got off our skills. Yeah. You get that vibe because the songs definitely have a di- different feel to them, like, from from one to the next. Like, you explore different ways to collaborate. It, it feels like it's... um. It's it's really cool sounding. I love the first one. I, I just I love the when you're repeating that phrase and that that comes off really dope. And I don't know. You do you guys do a song called Start Up or is it um the one Signed. you got what was it? Signed up. That's what it was. Yeah. When Signed when I first up. heard that a few like a few weeks ago, I kept listening to that and repeat. I really dug that. That was really cool. That's it's, awesome. That's lovely. It's so cool to see everybody's different favorites. Yeah, because yeah. people everyone de- definitely has their select few that they're like more drawn towards yeah. than others so that's the first time i'm hearing that about signed up so yeah. that's really dope because i feel the same way about that one yeah it's, i love it um what i was i also when i was listening to from here today and maybe i'm crazy but i felt like sort of a nirvana influence in that to some degree is am i just totally nuts for thinking that or mine was just natural i've never listened to nirvana really like uh. that that's- it was something I thought in a good way. It felt like, but it, if, to me, maybe it was just the way it hit my brain, but it felt like kind of like the way that he would sing a little bit sometimes, but it wasn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't like, I wouldn't say, and you're like, you know, copied it, but like it had that same evoked feeling and I liked the way it, 
it kind of brought me to a place. I really dug that. It's the way that you sing the vocal on. And it's like, so you guys, um, I, I, I don't know. I was listening to it while I was running and, and stuff like that. So I was like really in the moment, like you guys both sing and rap or you walk the, the, the fine line or. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, I, I think, I think here recently in the past two years, I've, I've um, explored singing a little more and my vocal range a little bit more. And it didn't start off like that. I started just rapping uh, completely, just straight lyricism. And then it kind of evolved into that. And now I'm at a point where I can utilize both and it, and it makes for a better soundscape for me. So you can yeah. definitely tell on the album because there's that flow where it's it's like there's, like I said before, the songs all kind of sound differently and you don't really know what's going to happen next because it sounds like you both are so multi-talented that you're just like, oh, this is going to keep taking. It all kind of sounds like kind of in the same lane but there feels like twists in it right it was uh, it was an enjoyable experience yeah one thing I was gonna say is like um I feel like we've both kind of explored that more together too mm -hmm. uh, because one thing we started doing um just even as friends is we started making it a daily task for us to sing in the car or not even sing in the car we would just check in with each other and be like did you sing a song today <laughs> yeah. and it's because we yeah, want yeah. to tap into that more yeah. so I yeah. think this album was our platform to really like exercise that and use it. What we I'm working on this um sort of promo video for like this um this project I'm working on and part of it I was in over the weekend and part of it involves me having to um it's like a fake ad for an album that doesn't exist but I have to write like five seconds of a bunch of these songs so I can sort of play them and pretend it's whatever but like so I've happened to write all these short songs that I've never really sang before and I'm trying to do it so it sounds kind of funny and bad but a few of them are like I think I can actually turn these into real songs and like I've never really felt like I could sing before but for some reason, like this weekend, that combination of just like doing it almost like with no pressure and then maybe getting a little better with twisting some knobs. I'm like, all right, well, we might, we might be onto something here. It's a nice feeling. That's definitely how I like stumbled into it. I, you know, I started playing with things a lot more and started playing with um, just melodics and cadences. And I, I really feel like I'm, you know, I, I bumped into something. I feel like I bumped into like a sound that I could that I can um, nurture yes yeah. you know part of it too is i thinking about being if you're not really like a natural singer is being realistic about your range and then just really owning that range i think because it's like i mean if you want if i tried to sing like whitney or something like you know i would be yeah. kicked off the internet but like there's some <laughs> people that might be able to fake it a little bit like you know right. no that's true i was actually working with um another artist friend um doing vocal lessons in a way, they weren't, you know, real structured, but um, we would get together and he knows more about singing and singing from your diaphragm, more of the technical side. Um, so we'd just get together and sing really honestly and he would just give me tips while I sung. But I did notice that that certain artists, it was easier for me to sing their songs and then other artists was just impossible. <laughs> and yeah, and, and that's something I've noticed myself too. I've learned that, um, that's what it's about, owning your range, because I, yeah. yeah, same thing, like, I just finished talking to her about uh, certain artists, like, that are, that are popular, like, Drake, and who else? Adele, you know who just, he could sing really well? Adele. Yeah, <laughs> I could, I could hit some Adele. Really? I noticed about them that, you know, they, they don't try to overdo it. Some artists really try to stick in a range that I feel like it's more, it's more suitable for the general consensus to sing along. It's it's almost easier for them to. And I feel like if they're aware of that and you're conscious of that, 
uh, you might have like a like a standing chance. You might have a little bit more staying power because you can you you're you're almost crafting like notes that almost everybody can sing along with, opposed to yeah, opposed to singing like Adele, right. Adele you and far between can hit those notes right. so they, and like we're not all mariah so it's like exactly. we all you know it's yeah exactly that yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um yeah, it's funny of... the reason i became a rapper i forgot about this story but so like when i was like 21 or 22 i was taking i tried to take sing lessons because i wanted to try to be like a singer songwriter and this was like uh, early 2000s and this, my singing teacher was like in her early 30s and she was just like Phoebe from Friends like she was like that she looked like her she acted like her and it was just and I kept going back and I felt like I was getting worse and worse and she kept encouraging me and telling me I was doing well and then on my last my last lesson which was her also her last day at the studio she like threw herself at me and I didn't really realize it until I got home like she like kind of really hit on me but I was so clueless to like I was just like oh like just in my own head and whatever and I was like, oh, she was lying to me the entire time because she thought okay. I was cute. And then at the end, I fumbled it because I didn't realize she, like at all. And then she like moved to California the next day and never talked to her again. That's funny. <laughs> and I just became a rapper because I was like, well, I can't sing. I was like, so now I'm going to rap. It didn't work out. She didn't even take her uh, teaching seriously. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it's. I should look her up and see what, what she's been doing. <laughs> so you say you started rapping um, at 22? Well, sort of. So I, I mean, I, I went to film school because I, I thought I wanted to be Quentin Tarantino and like Kevin Smith, but apparently a lot of other people also had that idea. And I came out and we started yeah. doing. Yeah. I did like some like little music projects. We um back in the day I had a little film production company in New York, and just by coincidence, right next door was the Source magazine. Like they mm -hmm. were located like just by right next door where my friend lived. So we got into some little stuff with them and we did some work um, back in the day with some of their artists. I think we did something with Mace's brother, Blinky Blink, back in the day. It's been forever. So then from there, I was like, um, all right, well, I can't sing. I'm going to start rapping. And I spent most of my 20s working on rap and just trying to make stuff. And then pretty much once when once CD di CDs died, it became like I just got discouraged and just went into physical Art. I was just like, this isn't the scene. It was like this whole scene here was made up of of rappers trying to sell other rappers their CDs, and it was just like, it was all pay to play shows. There was no real community. There was the enjoyment had been sucked out of it. But then when the quarantine came, I was like, I'm gonna finish off my old album, and I dusted it off and finished it, and I got a bunch of my favorite rappers on it, and now that's coming out next year. So I got Concept on it. He's on it. Um, Shout out Concept. Oh, yeah. We're gonna have to that out. Concept. Yeah, yeah, it's called Drinking Songs for Children. It'll be out next year. Oh. Drinking Songs for Children? Yep. That's no. funny. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I got Elza on it. He's he's one of my favorite rappers of all time. Elza, yeah, I know who that is. It's from Slum Village. Yep, yep. That dude, yep. So let's talk a little bit about, you guys put me onto this book. I'm glad you guys did. Um, I'd heard of Russ. I knew his music a little bit. I didn't realize this book existed. But um, I typed in a few minutes ago, like self-help books. And this was one of the first things that came up. So apparently it's um, getting some press, but yeah. it's all in your head. Get out of your way. Um, how do you guys discover this book and how did it help you guys? Well, I mean, for me, first, the first self-help book that I discovered prior to that one, I was actually in uh, Barnes and Noble looking for, for something else. It was called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Uh, and then I bumped into that. I mean, I had already heard that Russ had a book out. I heard, you know, whispers of it or something like that. 
And I saw that one right next to it. And I didn't get to check it out right away. But I always told myself I wanted to come back, circle, circle back and like check it out. Cause I I pay attention to Russ's career. Yeah. Not not avidly, but I pay attention to it, you know, and, and everything he talks about in that book, it it it's manifested itself in his career. So um I always wanted to do my due diligence and get back to that book and read it. And one day I was at work and <laughs> I was looking for something to listen to while I was, you know, working all day. So I pulled the audio book up actually. And I don't I don't know if I've ever seen or heard of an audiobook narrated by the actual author and he he narrates that whole audiobook in oh, his voice yeah so one day you know I was at work and I listened to the whole thing and I was just left inspired and reassured because most of the th- most of the things in the book is already things I'm thinking about and living by so yeah I've just you know I I think reading that book was was mostly that reassurance reassurance yeah. for me for me um, I discovered it I think okay so I work in a warehouse I work for FedEx but I work in a warehouse and um I'm like a higher up so I'm in charge of the speaker it's a big old tailgater speaker (laughs) um and I would play Russ a lot because I was a fan of him already and um I had a co-worker who loved him too so we would always like connect on that um like oh did you hear his new song that came out and so, um, yeah, one day, like, we were talking about it. And he's like, have you read his book? And this guy, too, the co-worker, he was very much, like, entrepreneur type, trying to get something started for himself, very motivational. Um, so, yeah, he put me onto it um, just off of both of our love of Russ. He put me onto it. Um, I went ahead and bought it. And I remember I used to lay outside. This was even, I think this might have been before even starting, like, to rap I think it was before I went I was just doing poetry at this time um but yeah I used to lay outside and just read it and um maybe it was right when I was starting because I think it honestly did add some inspiration to just really going for it too mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. The, the message of being delusional you know, that's like that's sort of he, he breaks the book into three steps like delusion persistence and gratitude Mm-hmm. and um you know it's it's a great combination um you do need a lot of delusion yeah. um it is interesting advice because this is kind of bad advice to give to somebody who has no talent but it's great advice to give to people who do have talent so yeah. it's yeah. if you're pretty self-aware this is a really really great book but um have you ever have you ever had to look through delusion and be like okay well i just got to jump and, and assume th- something will arrive there um, I feel like I, I feel like I currently still still do that, still, you know, fight through it, navigate through it, analyze it, reflect on it. I feel like um, it's always like a like a tug and pull kind of thing with with that delusion, because there's times where, you know, the way it sounds, it, it, it actually does come off as a negative connotation. Other times it is used in a positive light. Right. That's what he's talking about in the book, you know, so I feel like I try to I try to um, I try to hmm, I try to veer in that in that. uh, How can I say that lane, that path more the positive, the positive one, but uh, I think pursuing this comes with a lot of challenges, challenges, mishaps, you know, hindrances that get in the way of that. So, I mean, it's always going to be like a tug and pull, but I definitely still find myself fighting through the delusion 
because um, you have to understand it first. You have to understand like what that delusion looks like for you. You have to understand like, you know, not everybody's going to understand, you know, and when, um, when it's like that, you got to push through it. And that's kind of where I'm at right now, you know, because there's times where I feel like everything's, everything's going smooth. Everything is, is clicking. And then there's times where just things are like one after the next is just popping up, making you feel like, okay, I actually feel delusional. This might not be for me. This might, you know, go left. This might not be what I thought it was. Right. And then you're right back to it, you know? So it's, it's, it's almost like you got to have a healthy balance of it. Honestly, yeah. that's how I feel about it. I would say I could be more delusional. <laughs> <laughs> you could be, or? That's what I strive to be. Um, no, but honestly, as an artist, like even how you said you were coming up with, you know, um, fake songs for this album for like a skit or whatnot. Yeah. Um, hearing those and just doing it so like carelessly, sometimes those are the songs that end up being the best songs. Right. Um, and I think too, like the best moves too, like you said, it's the worst advice to give to somebody who is not talented, but at the end of the day too, like, I think there's a part of like being delusional where you really believe in yourself that much that like you can get this accomplished, like, um, despite what everybody thinks, you know, of the music career of being a rapper and whatnot, it's really like going against what everybody already counts out. So you kind of have to be already a little delusional. And then I think, like I said, in the creative process, I could be even more delusional. And that's actually what I strive to be. Um, I want to do crazy things. Like the first person I think of is like Kanye. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he had no fear. I mean, obviously, sometimes he should have a little more fear, but he's never had any fear creativity. Yeah. He's just and it's years ahead i mean that yeezus album people crapped yeah. on that when it came out exactly. it's amazing yeah, yeah exactly i i definitely think of somebody like him first and that's why what i aspire to do because i started out with the background in poetry so it's more structured and that's what i loved um tapping into rap was that it was less structured but now I want to go even further and just make it so true to myself that it's like, I don't care how people receive this. This is what I'm going to do. Right. I think, too, that's sort of the, the positive side of the delusional part, because it's like, I think the message he's trying to give is that just if you're delusional enough, you end up getting to a point where you're really just expressing yourself. Like yep. if you're if you believe in yourself that much, you're sort of pushing everybody's influence out of the way and you're getting to your purest self as an artist and as a creative. And whether that's successful or not, as from a monetary perspective, it's you're you've succeeded just by getting there. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a huge step that you have to sort of get through that door before. I and mean, that's probably why it's step one, because that's a huge step where we can get to the other the rest of it. Exactly. Hundred percent. Because I feel like the whole time you're doing, you know, you're pursuing whatever you feel like you you're great in. You know, the whole time you have people telling you why or, or why it may not work, you know, and you got to fight through that. And you got to understand, like, you, you got to build, like, a certain amount of confidence to a point where none of that can affect you anymore. Because yeah. you already know. You are so stuck in what you want to do and what you see that nobody can get in the way. And I've heard this analogy about, like, Steph Curry, how, like, he's so great at his craft. He could be at the three-point line with a, with a hand right in his face, but he knows exactly where the bucket's at, whether he can see it or not. He's going to hit that shot. 
And I and I equate that to that right there because that's exactly what that should be, you know. Yeah. You should be on it that you know that like where you're going, regardless of who's getting in the way or what's being said. So. On the flip side, yesterday I had this other moment, and I hope you guys can relate to this to some degree. So I remember I happened to be like going to the bathroom, like heading into my bathroom here, and I had this thought in my head. I'm like, I'm so excited about how everything's going in this project. It's really just going well, and I'm excited about where I'm at. Literally, by the time I walked out of the bathroom a minute and a half later, I was like, oh, man, I should not even do this anymore. And I'm just uh, like, I don't know, like, I, how did I get in the, and it's just, I've, I go through that so much. I think on the episode that aired last week on my podcast, I said I was abandoning it completely. And by the next day, or even later that day, I was back to work on it. And you're just like, I just don't want to give up. And a book like this is very encouraging because you're just like, I, on this podcast, we talk a lot about just being one of the survivors and being one of the people that doesn't give up because the longer you go, the more other people just decide it's not for them anymore. And you're competing with less people at your skill level. So it's like you're like in a month today, you can achieve what it taken you years, years ago. And so that always encourages me to go on. I really feel that when it comes to performing, when it comes to performing, like um, I realized that this was for me off of performing because um, obviously my first ones weren't where I wanted to be, but I never felt like, oh man, I got in front of all these people and I'm embarrassed and I'm not gonna do it again. Right. It was like, I would get on stage and feel like, you know, my performance wasn't where I wanted it to be, but I had this hunger after, like to get back on and do it again, to practice, get back on and do it again, do another show. And so, yeah, definitely. So like the drive to keep doing it is really what makes it or breaks it as an artist. Would you watch a lot of your performance footage and be just critical of it? Or um, or is it how how was that experience like to try to um, improve on where you were? Um, That definitely watching videos back. Um, a big thing for me is um, breath control. So when I run out of breath, you see it on my face. Like I get nervous. I'm like, you know, but um, a big thing for me is just working out. So I'll start working out, rapping my lyrics, like while I'm running. Um, yeah, yeah, just getting that breath control um, together, getting my breath control together. And then also to... Um, I think I have, I've started doing like key movements in my performances. So that way, if I am nervous on stage, it doesn't look so much so because I'm still hitting these marks in between. Right. So I still, you know, it comes off looking natural, even in the more like performances that I'm more nervous. The, the That's a good idea, the rapping while um like working out, because I, I, I definitely used to experience that um during rehearsals i would be going through totally fine and then during the show it was like song two i'd be sweating my brains out and i'm like well like like obviously i'm not rehearsing at the right level or whatever but like rehearsing for overkill is sort of the way to go because if you can rap while you're running you know you should be on stage and make it look effortless or it's at least a good way to get you there you know, you know what it is is rapping while you're running is equal to like rapping while you're nervous because yeah. yes, in rehearsals, you're comfortable, you're not breathing fast, you know, so you're not um, making up for that loss of breath. But then when right. you're on stage, because you're nervous, you're taking these smaller breaths. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's equal running, and then the nervousness, it brings right. you to like equal and your body doing something rhythmic too probably helps that it's like if you're mentally doing something rhythmic and rapping and having your body also doing something rhythmic and running it may there may be some synergy there that sort of helps 
you focus. Yeah, that's where those marks mm. come into. Like I'll have certain movements that I do, certain dances. And um, also too, you know, that brings the energy from the crowd. There's like certain dance moves that I hit that I know the crowd's going to get excited for. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> that's <laughs> something too that I heard from Concept too. He mentions a lot. I, I, and I've seen from a lot of people in your scene that the performance aspect is a really is really important you guys all seem to put a lot of effort into trying to actually not just write songs and, and like put them out there but actually perform them and be full full artists which is awesome 100 percent, you know and um before well before i met her i was on a run last year i was trying to do 100 shows by the end of you know last year i only got to 45 but in that 45 i learned so much I got so much better. I leveled up. I, you know, I, I I learned what it was like being on stage, like time after time after time. And for me, that's where like the comfortability came from. But in that, I also learned that the cardio is important because it does just that. It creates a synergy between, you know, your movements and your words and yeah. your breathing and, and your and your presence and all that comes with that. But all that to say, you know, I was just getting on stage and rapping. I was just rapping. I was just performing my songs, getting hyped to them. Till you know, I till I met her and we we finally started like performing together. That's where I was like, oh man, like this is what I've always wanted to do. I just never knew. I just you know I didn't know it would take this. But me and her, like we like setting up like a theatrical performance almost. Like me yeah. and her, like take it there. We like we like doing things that are more conceptual in the performance aspect. And that was absent before I met her. So I, I, you know, it's cool to see like how even that aspect evolves as time goes on. So, so that's a great point too, because, oh, sorry, go for it. No, I was gonna say, I started with that. I kind of yeah. brought the conceptual uh, performances to his side, but my very first performance, I literally like taped um, fairy lights to an umbrella and came out with my umbrella for that's my first- awesome. Yeah. yeah so I've always cool. wanted to do like I aspire to do a like a Doja Cat level performances one day. So one of the things I think it's really smart about that is that you know I I performed at a zillion underground hip hop shows and been to a zillion other people's underground hip hop shows and it's like the lyrics are sort of the thing that gets lost in the shuffle the most because it's like the microphones aren't always the great. It's always like if you're gonna listen to like an artist you don't know, it's always easier to get them on record than it is to get them live. And there's a lot more noise and it's like the sound might not be calibrated right but if you're putting on something visually that's sort of your way your real way to bring them in because even if they're not getting like because they can't hit rewind when you say a dope line so it's like they they might have only gotten half of it but it's like if you're giving them a reason to draw them and make you pay more attention that really helps a lot and that's you know the key like yeah i agree with that i agree with that 100 i mean there's really no like big time rapper out there who's just getting out there like bill cosby in a chair just like you know rapping <laughs> like it's like all of them have to have more you know it, it's a big part of ice spice is actually getting a lot of flack for that recently because she doesn't really do too much on stage but oh, really? she didn't have time to go through artist development or anything so yeah yeah and i mean they'll probably get that i mean she's i i see her everywhere it was a name i hadn't i hadn't heard much all a few months ago and now it's like i can't turn around without seeing her yeah but on that level they don't they don't accept it so yeah. eventually i'm pretty sure you know like her team is gonna work with her um but no you're right big time artists they definitely put the work into the choreography the conceptual 
part of it, all of that. So yeah. I saw a clip of Coyle Ray on um Kimmel recently. And I mean she's she's a young artist. She's I think about 24, 25. And I was just blown away by how well choreographed everything was and it's how just how comfortable she seemed on stage. And I'm like, oh she's she's got a, a big career ahead of her. You know, it's yeah. I know she's having a huge moment now, but I was like, damn, she's really got it all. Yeah, yeah. she has a great stage or a great stage presence. And then she's just fun in general. I think she just has that natural, like charismatic. Yeah to her personality so everything her dad didn't have as a rapper she has right, right, right. <laughs> see, see that's the thing right there that 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 word charismatic i think you have to have that you know you have to be you have to be able to like show that on stage transfer that uh translate that on stage you right. know whoever's watching whoever the audience is yeah. i just watched um i just watched kendrick's show on um on Amazon, it was like the Big Steppers tour in Paris, and we actually went to that. We went to that live, so we got to see it there. But wow. I got to see it on Amazon again. That was our first date. <laughs> that was our first date, and that's cool too because we, yeah, we connected over music, you know, and and that was something that we both enjoyed. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I bring that up to say, like, even in someone like him, like his uh his theatrical presence, you know, that it's morphed into from where he was shows me like man there's a there's a there's a lot to learn a lot to like pick up and a lot to incorporate in our craft if we want to be on that type of level you know so mm -hmm. yeah I'm definitely like open and excited for what's to come for both of us because we're we're already thinking of new ways to like incorporate into our like stage performances visually yeah so yeah, yeah. Just Even. thinking of yourselves as performers rather than just a rapper is a, is a big is a big step because it's like they're really then the end the possibilities are really endless. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's how we feel. And I think that comes to just me personally being an all around artist. So I've dipped in painting. I've dipped in well, poetry was my first love for sure. Um, but really anything artistic. So when it comes, and then even dance, I take dance classes for fun. So um, to incorporate that and learn some choreography, put it into our shows. Yeah. yeah. It is funny because I'm into dance too. Like I'm not like a great dancer, but I enjoy like watching like ballet and break dancing and stuff like that. And I've gotten a little, like my girlfriend and I will kind of like bust out the TLC moves sometimes um, <laughs> in private. <laughs> but like it's, um, you don't realize how much you learn about music by knowing about dance. Like, yeah. and it's, it's, um, it's a really valuable tool to, and it gets you ready for performance too. Cause you know, obviously there's some cardiovascular element to it, but it does teach you a lot about music and a lot about why music pauses when it does and accelerates and slows down when it does. It's um, a really valuable tool that a lot of people I think overlook. But yeah. Let's talk about Redox a little bit um, more. So what, how long have you guys been working on this and what was sort of your vision and maybe talk about the title and where that came from and, Okay, so um, we started, we we thought of the idea back in December and decided, December, yeah. yeah, it was in December that we decided to um, even make the album, that we should do one together, um, but we hadn't written any songs or anything um, just yet, the idea was there, and so he was talking about making new beats and all of this, and then I was going to write to them, all of that. That's how we planned for the process to go. But actually, um, one day I was at work and I just, I felt sad that day. 
and I wanted to write to um a slower as I felt sad that day and I wanted to write to like a slower beat um so I posted on my story Ashley and I put any producers who have sad girl music please send me beats and so um I think a few people did send me beats that day but I was already looking through my emails and I was looking for old beats that producers had already sent me um and funny story back in the day before I even met him he just knew of me on Instagram <laughs> he had been sending me beats I guess like trying to um get me to work with him and I had never opened them up but during this time now that we're like fast forward trying to make it <laughs> together I'm looking for sad girl beats and I end up searching mm. my emails and I find an email from him back from February before I even knew him and found the beat to red flags that's awesome so, almost a year later that's the second song in the album right yes yeah that's the second song in the album yeah but so, the first one created it was the first one created yeah so i sat there and i wrote during work sat there and wrote to red flags um ended up going home and telling him like hey i have a song to record and so i told him it was to one of his old beats um i think he took off to go cut hair and do something so he wasn't even there during that process. I sat there myself and recorded it and presented it to him once he got back. Um, and yeah, the second yeah. I presented it to him, he fucked with it. So Yeah, I was mad impressed. I was like, whoa, where did yeah. this come from? I was, yeah, I was taken aback for sure. I love the way on the first track, you sort of dominate um, that one a little more. And then Shatter, you start in on Red Flags first, if I remember correctly. And it's just the dichotomy of that I thought cut in really nice when I listened to it. I was like, oh, that's it's like you both had your time to shine very early on in the album. And it's showing that you both were very talented in your own rights. And it's it was cool. Thank you. Yeah. That, and that's what we wanted to go for. A hundred percent. Like she said, you know, we wanted to represent ourselves as as rappers, like as individuals coming together opposed to like a couple album, you know. So and I think I think we did a good job of that. Yeah. Like early on in the album, we got, you know, we got to, I feel like both of us were highlighted, you know. What was, the, what was the second song that came? The second song that came, I think it was Signed Up. Signed Up. Okay. So, yeah, that's just kind of how the process went after that. So, we created, I made Red Flags. It sat there for a little bit waiting for his verse. Um, But during that time, he was starting to make beats and starting to write hooks. Um. It's funny because now that I think about it too, I went back and found, or it was towards the end of our album. Um, I told him, I was like, you got to send me more beats. I'll write another song, but you got to send me more beats. <laughs> and so he starts playing like some older ones that he had on his laptop. And um, he had this old one that one of his friends, who's part of our collective Unlabeled, um, Josh, he had made that beat for Pink Kink. And so that one was also an old out or an old beat that had just been sitting there. And I ended up writing Pink Kink to that one. Um, when yeah. it comes to the title of the album. So I was gonna touch on this. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to the title of the album, we were probably about like 10 songs in or something. Yeah, just about. We were about like nine, nine, ten songs in already. We were like nine or ten songs in, and I literally told him, I was like, all right, I think it was like 10 minutes. I was like 10 minutes. I was like, you can use your phone to like Google. You can use your phone to research. 
I was like, but write down as many ideas as you can for the song for track for album title. Yeah. yeah, for the album title. And so yeah, we sat there, we wrote down all of our ideas. And, and mind you, the the I guess the uh infrastructure for it was energy, like us trading energy, us mm-hmm. like you know just being two different forces revolving around each other, you know. Yeah. So uh, we wanted to find something that fit that. And Redox, Redox happened to be, you know, the magic word. Yeah, Redox, like, it's a chemical reaction. And it's when, um, I think it's two atoms, they trade particles. So it's like, um, you'll hear me talk about it, like, even in A Million Lives, which is the last song. It's like a dance song. But it says, this here is even transfer. And it's just a play on that. Like, us really are artistic, like, bouncing off of each other, like, and then even the process of how we create too, like he really pushed me to be more lyrical. I really pushed him to be more conceptual. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. pushed him to be more melodic. He pushed me to like really rap, go hard. Rap, yeah. And that's the thing. That's that's what I think that's what the the album embraces. It embraces a lot of that, whether it is positive or negative feelings, you know. Cause even in a song like Red Flags, like I've had people tell me that they feel a way about that. They feel like some sort of like emotion when they listen to that. And that's exactly what we wanted to go for, you know? So yeah. I feel like I, we did a good job in encapsulating that title. So if I heard you guys correctly, you said that you, you came up with this idea in December and despite some of the beats existing ahead of time, this is already out in on March 19th. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's that i mean that blows my mind to hear that now that i listen to the album today that's that's crazy <laughs> like how how are you able to keep a schedule like that i mean are there are there 900 half written songs on you know the scrap heap somewhere or, or did you just bang out these 13 like what's your, what was the process to get there in such a short period of time and we literally did yeah we literally did write everything from scratch and there was and I'm gonna be honest. She she was on she was on my ass because I was like giving my material to other like songs, other oh, to yeah. other features, and yeah. she sat down one day and she was like, "Look, I'm gonna need your energy for this album. I'm gonna need you to save some of that for this. Like, I need you to write to this." So you know, I took yeah. that and I was like, "All right then, <laughs> all right then." Yeah, so a, I, a lot of people were hitting them up for features and stuff and wanting to work and. I would get annoyed at it. <laughs> so I'm like, bro, like if you're giving them your creativity, because he swears he's just like this, or like oh, never ending flow of creativity, <laughs> which he is. But I was like, no, give your time to us so we could get this done. Me, I'm more like, I'm a spot that runs dry every now and then. <laughs> like if I work on a big project like this, I do like my downtime before I start writing again to feel inspired again. This man can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> she swears. <laughs> But yeah, that right there kind of made me sit down with ours, with this project and say, okay, all right, I understand the assignment now. I understand what you want out of me. So I'm going to sit here and write, you know, day after day. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go ahead and like do exactly what you said and put this creativity into this. So yeah, um, I feel I feel like at that point it sped up the process of, uh, oh, that's another thing too. We actually had a deadline. We We wanted to create this deadline that way we had we knew how much time we had to create and record mm-hmm. and that's what we did we utilized that time to just record as much as we could in that amount of time whatever we had at the end of that at the, at the deadline 
that was it. That was the cap for what was going on the album. Everything after that was just going to be mixing and mastering. And yeah, we, with both of us, just the force that she is, you know, she came through and, and we got it done. We got it it done. really speaks a lot to your partnership that you're able to sort of achieve that. Because I mean, I've definitely tried similar approaches with different people I've worked with, and um, I learn really quickly. I'm like, oh yeah, that's not gonna work, and there may be no way to make this work. Because yeah. I mean, to to your point, Shadow, it's like there's so many. There's most projects that get started don't get finished. So it's yeah. like if there isn't someone there who can move it along in a, in a you know positive way, it doesn't get done. You know. Yeah, and we had just got out of a situation like that where it was a lot of people in the city. Um, working together on an EP or it's like a four piece EP and everybody had opinions everybody kept adding into songs um wanting to make changes and that situation ended up like the start of our album um really or it ended up being like the start of us breaking off and just really focusing on our album because um, being in that situation, we realized that that it wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't going to get done. And we really wanted to work on actual songs that were going to get done, a project that was going to get done. And I'm big on that. Like, I see my songs as my babies. So if they end up sitting there in the vault and never get used, like, I do have songs like that, but I don't like to do it often because... Um, I don't know. Like, I like for my babies to be grown up one day. I want to nurture them. For them to be seen. Yeah. Up. Nurture them. Let yeah. them grow into an adult and deliver them to the world. Type right. Of thing. right. You know, what's kind of funny, maybe think of is um, <clears throat> before people are successful as rappers, they they love calling themselves rappers. I think so, to some degree, and I'm not trying to throw anybody from your crew under the bus. I don't know these people at all. But when you get a large group of people, there's and like that working together. There's always a few of them who kind of just like being rapper, calling themselves rappers more than they like actually rapping. And it, that kind of slows the process down a little bit. But then you get to a point where you're actually pretty successful as a rapper. And I find those people no longer want to call themselves rappers. Like if you ask them what they do, they're like, I'm a producer, I'm a musician, I write. And it's like rappers like the 10 thing they want to do because they no longer want that association because everybody can call themselves a rapper. You know? Yeah. I, I, I literally I literally just used that today. Like I was on the phone with someone and they asked me what I did. I was like, I'm an I'm an I'm a songwriter. I'm an artist. I'm and I literally told them I don't like to use the term rapper because it comes with a lot of preconceived notions and cliches. I said so. I I, I like calling myself an artist, but hip hop is my foundation. Being a rapper is my foundation. Yeah. So at the same time, like I don't shy away from it, but it's more so used as a uh, as a basis for my for my creativity now because that's I mean at this point I feel like that's that's what we do. It's obvious. So I feel like there's just more to it for me not to say that I'm just a rapper. You it's like, I do all these other things too. You know, what's weird. is like, there's a double standard with that. Cause I actually like take pride in calling myself a rapper. Yeah, I do like, I, I could, I'm not going to go for it. I think I know what you're going to say. I do like to call myself an artist because I feel like I am that, you know, like I do like to sing. I do poetry um i rap conceptual i have a rock song sitting in my email right now that this guy wants me mm -hmm. to run and i'm definitely excited to tap into that too um but at the end of the day i think there is a double standard on that because as a female for me to be like oh yeah i'm a rapper 
it's it's almost like people get excited for that like right because for so long i was reading i'm reading the book this book about biggie that came out recently and they talk all about you know them trying to figure out what kim little kim's image was going to be and, he, and it made me realize just how different like to be a female rapper in the 90s was essentially like like what Eminem was to, to white people in rap is what little Kim was. To, and it was like, you were just this one thing, but now it's like, it's almost like when you watch the UFC and the women's or WWE and the women's wrestling and fighting is just as good as the men's and some nights better. And it's like, if the women are having just a great moment in rap now where it's like, it's no longer just, Oh, you're a woman and you're rapping is like, you are super talented and you happen to be a woman, you know, it's, it's great. There's definitely the um, stereotypes at first where people do be like you know that I'm just doing turn up music club type music yeah um but even that there's like a layer of surprise because once they actually see like oh she's not just doing club type music I tap into that just because I know that's like what the consumer wants sometimes um but at the end of the day like them seeing that I do different styles of rap too and tap into lyricism and tap into different kinds of flows too that's just an extra yeah. surprise to being a female artist. Well, like if you want, if you, lyricism to me is is kind of just music with a message and music where you want people to lean in a little bit. And if you want them to lean in, you have to give them a reason, even have their ears open in the first place. So having that blend where you sort of like, you know, pull them in with a melody and like knock them out with the lyrics, I think is a really smart way to do it. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. For sure. I've seen it too. Spot. Yeah. yeah. That's the sweet spot. And one thing, too, I liked about um, your album is that I felt like every word really mattered. And I think that's it's and even now that I know that it came together so quickly, like it's even more impressive where there were um, like you each had your own space in the song and none of it felt like filler, mm. you know. And you made me read the way you repeated the lines in the first song made me really think about, oh, man, there's so many times you write a line that I'm super proud of, but it just gets crammed in in the middle of a zillion other lyrics and it's like it's only me just sort of like popping myself when I hear it but like to the idea of actually adding some melody to it and slowing it down like I definitely took that when I heard that first song uh, I listened to it a few times and I'm just like yeah I'm learning from this so I appreciate that you know it's yeah so well that's actually one thing that he took from me too um we had discussed um songs with re repetitive hooks and so, and just a lot of repetition throughout the songs. Um, I remember leaning into him at performances and I'm like, you hear that? You hear how many times he said his hook? Or you hear how many times he sung that part? Yeah. And I'm like, that's why, like you see the crowd singing along, yeah. you know, I'll point out things like yeah. that to him. Yeah, definitely raise my antennas. And that's the thing too. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, um, I think we spent a lot of time studying like together. Yeah. While we were together, I feel like we spent a lot of time studying out it because we if we're not performing we're probably well prior we were out supporting everybody in the city mm -hmm. so I felt like we were out together just studying what everybody was doing you know how everybody was receiving it and I feel like we took that everything we learned and just put it into our album and to her point yeah I did I took a lot from her you know because prior to me knowing that she was a rapper you know, it was just me and my opinion and just, you know, going off of what, how I thought things were supposed to be. Then when I discovered that she was a rapper, I was blown away because just like what we're, just what we're talking about, the, you know, the double standard and, and what's expected of a female rapper. I just didn't get that from her. 
So, um, you know, every time she has something to say, my my ears are open, even in times I don't want to hear it. Because we, I think as rappers, we, ha- we, it, we come, I think we... There's a pride. There's a pride. There's an ego yes. there. We have to learn to put that aside, you know. But with someone like her, it's more of a benefit than a discouragement to have somebody like that so close because you can actually learn something if you open your ears. And that's something I had to learn. So, yeah, everything she was telling me, I was listening to her. And, yeah, we came back and put it in the music. Yeah, but I really saw him take that and actually use it because he was more of somebody. He had a few songs, you know, that had actual hooks that he would, you know, repeat maybe once or maybe twice throughout the song, twice or maybe three times. Um, But specifically that sitting at people's shows and pointing that out, like, look, he did his hook five times. Yeah. You know, and by the fourth one, everybody's singing along. Yeah, we saw the effect it had. Yeah, and without like we had that conversation, and he like he said like really just absorbed it. It wasn't like we discussed it at the start of the album or anything. I just saw him take that and use it, and then like maybe after we discussed it, he's like, "Yeah, I remember you telling me that." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're yeah. the Apollo Black who guests on your album. I did a song with him in concept earlier this year called "I Know." And um, Apollo did the hook, and it's just literally the words "I know, I know, I know," and those are the only words. But like almost like every, I love that song and the way he approached it because almost every time he says "I know," I feel like it means something slightly different. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, and every time I listened to that song, I was just like, oh man, I wish more people heard this one because I just I loved his approach to it, and I just loved just like the the, the sort of pathos he put into it. So, I have to go back and look for that Paul one. Yeah. yeah, he's actually a perfect example of that. Like yeah. he comes up with the most simple hooks. Yeah. And exactly that, you know, I've seen him perform maybe like 20 times or more. Yeah. And every time the crowd is singing the hook or rapping it along with him. So yeah, I don't know why it took me 20 years making music to start realizing how important hooks are. But, you know, here we are. It's like, and I feel like, because back in the day, I'd be like, yo, I'm going to like, I'm going to put scratching on this hook and I'm going to do all these cuts and I'm going to mix them up. And you end up with something that's just kind of like, it's just, it feels like me going like this, but it doesn't really appeal to anybody because it just, it doesn't have the feeling and the flow. It's just something I kind of manufactured in the studio to kind of make myself happy and like now i'm realizing oh there's a little bit i mean kanye i once heard him say that rapping is sort of like being a politician you have to you have to get a message out to a large um group of diverse people so you have to speak in like you know certain terms you know like like obama with hope and like trump with make america great again it's like it's like these are very simple messages and even both of those messages kind of mean the same thing the difference is who's saying them you know it's yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say it depends on the artist too, though, about um, how important hooks are. Because I feel like the type of artist you were before, he very much held that title of rapper. Right. It, 100%. Yeah, it depends on, I guess, what kind of artist you're really, your artist you're really trying to be. Because for me, one thing I really stress to him is like, I want radio play. And if you notice on the radio, they're playing things that are catchy, things that people right. like the everyday person, you know, can catch on and sing along to. So I really do try to like reel it back into being at least a little bit simplistic for like the consumer. Um, and I feel like he tapped into that more, too, instead of just, you know, just spinning bars, spinning bars, spinning bars. And what I've, I feel like what I learned is like 
doing those simple hooks and crafting those, it actually makes it easier to craft the the, the verses. The verse, yeah. It sets it up. Yeah. And there's more dichotomy too. It gives people a break. It gives them a transition. Exactly. Yeah. It was last night I went down I, I was listening to that um that player song because it's kind of tough to avoid. And I started going down a wormhole of like kind of music that I felt that same genre, that same like aesthetic and i i ended up remember that mia khalifa song by hit or miss that was big on tiktok a few years ago it was like hit or miss right it was like a diss song at me i don't know I, I feel like it was a huge tiktok trend that disappeared but it was just a goofy stupid diss song about a porn star's tweet but i'm like it had this like thing that just set off tiktok for a while and it's like i'm listening to it years later and i'm way out of the demographic of the song and i'm like there's something to it like yeah. we like there's there's something to like if you think back to when music was invented it was people banging on shit and it's like what do you have you have like a drum and like i don't know a buffalo hide and i hope that doesn't sound like you know an insensitive way to put it but like and it's like but there was something to that and it drummed up emotion in people and like there is still something to the simplicity that i think a lot of people you know disregard yeah there's definitely an art to it still there's definitely that yeah, for sure. And then like he said, um, it allows room for you to go harder in your verse. Um, and I think that's how I play it most of the time. I've kind of told him, if I'm going to do more of a rap hook and I want it to be complex, I'll go more simple when it comes to like, I'll probably add melodies or something just to balance it out. And then when it comes to doing more of a simplistic hook, um, that's where I'll kind of go harder. Like Big Bags is the perfect example of that. Oh, yeah, that's right. yeah. Big bags in mine. Big bags in mine. And so, yeah, I told him, yeah. I was like, I want to go hard on this. Yeah, she like, went crazy. Yeah. She went crazy. That's so, What's funny, even look at someone like Eminem and like his biggest songs, the really, really big ones are ones where he kind of steps aside and someone like Rihanna comes in and does the hook. Because yeah. it's like, and it's a more, it's more like you were saying, it's more of a simplified, but still very impactful and well executed. And it's like, as he does, he's wrote of that rapper. He doesn't really have his, his own hooks except for like lose yourself. And so in their songs, they're, they're not as up to par as it is when he steps aside and lets somebody else where it fills the space. And, you know, it's, yeah. you know, interesting point. That's yeah. interesting. It was funny. There was definitely this time in hip hop when um, when like Ja Rule came out, when they were definitely getting a lot of crap for being like that R&B hip hop land. Like that was like that was like a thing everybody picked on Ja about back in the day. But it's it was such a sexist attitude to have, I think because it really diminished it was like everyone's like oh it's just to get the women whatever but it also treated women as if there were only like one or two things which i think is like you know women have been trained as being either the whore or like you know the woman in the kitchen forever and it's like oh finally now it's like we're in a society where women are allowed to be more than three things and i think yeah it took us way too long to get there but i don't yeah, know i agree with that yeah. I, I started off talking about jar i don't know where how i landed there from the jar room thing but getting a little rambling <laughs> like, <"Wait>, what? <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's you know it's late here on the east coast <laughs> um so what about influences so one thing you, you talked you mentioned a little about drake and i have to admit i had never really heard i everything i knew about drake i knew from memes or about songs that Pusha T wrote. And he was just, Drake came out a little bit after my time. And I was in, there are certain of these big rappers that I don't, like Like Wayne was somebody who I didn't get until years later. It was a concept that really had to show me why Wayne was great. And I'm like, oh, how did I miss all of this? And Drake was um, a similar one where I finally sat down and listened to some Drake the other day. I'm like, I don't know what I was scared of. This stuff's actually pretty good. Yeah, 
I think all I knew him from was like a Sprite commercial, I guess. And like these memes where he looks kind of goofy. <laughs> but Do you feel um, like you're trying not to go towards what's mainstream, what everybody's listening well, to? Well, it's yes and no, because I what I what I realize is sometimes that like I'm a little behind. Like I like like I remember when 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying came out. I thought that was gonna be the new Bigs Ready to Die. And when I heard it, I was like disappointed that it didn't have that same level of whatever. And I was like, oh, this is just kind of marketing, whatever. But I listened to it again, like 10 years later. I'm like, no, this is a really solid album. And yeah. I just, and a lot of that, like Cameron's a rapper who I didn't get for years later. I mean, but there are some people like Kanye who I've always dug. There's a lot of really big name artists. Like I'm a huge Mariah fan. I love that. But there's some people that just takes me a long time to get, you know. Like they grow on you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have part of it too, as I mentioned this in a different episode, um, like the more of like the the mumble rap, like um, like Lil Peep was somebody whose name I heard for years and I try to listen, I'm like, this is not for me. But then I watched a documentary about him and I got to see what the what the culture was like. And I saw people at shows interact with like, oh, this makes so much more sense in context than it does just me, you know, sitting in my cubicle, like pushing songs on Spotify. And it sort of encouraged me to understand that that like the context around the music is important and it's also a good window for me to understand people that I don't interact with on a daily basis because I see people that sort of carry that same image of like those little peeps but I don't talk to them it's like I don't stop strangers in the mall and be like what's your life about yeah. but like now I can understand it a little better from a distance and, and and then the music makes more sense so it's like my way of sort of communicating like trying to learn more about people you know so, that's right. so true and like just to um just to come off of that, um, that's actually important too when it comes to like your social media presence these days. So like one thing I do try to do is not put all my business out there, but I do try to make it a little more personal just so people can kind of see what type of person I am behind the artist too. Yeah. So yeah, I think that definitely plays a factor in like gaining fans and people actually wanting to listen to your music. I've noticed a lot lately that when I put myself in the post, which is something that I always didn't want to do for years, I get better engagement because it's like people, they just, they've seen the same piece of square piece of art. There's like nothing that really makes them stop, but having a human touch, it definitely makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You want to go back to um, what he was, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say back to what you saying about yeah. um, artists that influence you. Influences oh yeah, yeah. Let's do that. I was just going to say though real quick, because uh, me and her just did like a, a video on Instagram. I don't do this much. I don't I don't show myself much on Instagram or anything like that. But me and her just did a, vi a video promoting our Georgia, our Georgia show date. And um, yeah, we got a lot of engagement from that. But I think just showing our personality, just showing our faces, mm -hmm. you know, online, like really helped with that, too. So to y'all's point, yeah, y'all are correct in that. Today was the day that I realized that if you can, I don't know, that song is a zillion years old when I say this. So there's a captions button where if you do like, if you talk, it'll just put the words on the screen. And I'm like, oh, where have yeah. you been my whole life? Because I, I I don't want, I watch a lot of stuff without sound just because I'm usually doing something else. But like, there's so many little tricks like that that help you engage more that I, I'm just way behind right. on. Yeah, she, yeah, she showed me that. I'm telling you, I, I feel like I'm the old head in this relationship. <laughs> and she be putting me on to a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think about it like that. Oh, I don't. Oh, I think that balance. To, like the image side. Yeah, when it comes to that, I'm like. When it comes to, but I think that's like, well, I don't know. It depends. But I was gonna say, I think that's females in general. Like we have more of an eye for like yeah, aesthetic. the aesthetic. aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But that yeah. stuff matters because if you look at who like people like Diddy and like Kanye, they were very successful in both like the aesthetic and 
the the music like it all kind of came together and it it is it's it's something that and i think a lot of men they probably like you know when they get to that point they start hiring hiring the stylist to kind of be like okay well now now i'm I'm eminem i'm not just wearing a nike hoodie everywhere or whatever like i need somebody to to get me a suit that fits right but learning how to do it yourself is is so much more valuable and finding your own style it's you know exactly unlabeled yeah you've got it (laughs) unlabeled yeah Um, that's that's our collective unlabeled and it's spelled u-n-l-b-l-d but that's exactly what that encapsulates you know just trying to find our our way in our own unique you know way as well so yeah but influences right yeah um i feel like kanye kanye is like a huge one i I would say kanye uh kanye jay andre 3000 um today cole kendrick for me um just real real introspective artists I, I think that's that's where I've gained like the most influence from because growing up that's all I was listening to that's what my dad my mom was playing around me so I feel like at first same thing I didn't understand a lot of these artists I didn't get it I didn't I didn't understand like how I was supposed to receive it I just knew that it sounded good to me and as I grew older I started to grasp the concepts little by little, you know, and um, I don't know. I started realizing like, yo, I like, I take to things like this. I don't know why, but I do. And it wasn't until like I started, you know, realizing that I love literature in school that that really started to gravitate towards me more. Like I, I really started taking towards it because I, I felt like writing was an was an outlet. It was like it was therapeutic for me. So I felt like when I would listen to these artists, they were conveying feelings that I was they were conveying things that I was feeling to the T without even knowing me. Right. So I was like, how are they able to do this? So in turn, I wanted to do the same thing with my music. And I and I always told myself, like, I think I can get to that point one day. And I think I think I'm getting there at this point because Ooh. I've studied so much. I've studied so much of my favorites, like to their idiosyncrasies, like to their everything. So, I mean, I feel like the more that I pay attention to to artists like that, who really have a, like a, a passion for the art, for the craft, I feel like those artists right there are who, and see, I never look at them and want to be them. I just feel like they've laid a great, a perfect blueprint for me to follow. And um, I've always heard that you gotta like, you gotta have some sort of mentor, even if it's under, even if it's an unofficial one, yeah. And I feel like I've looked to some of those guys as that. And I feel like I've only gotten to a point that I'm at because of how much I've studied them. So yeah, and it's been through everything, like performance aspect. Uh, cadences, lyricism, the way they flip words, the way they, the way they hold themselves, the way they, you know, interact with other artists, the way they have this presence online, everything. Like I feel like I, if you're paying attention to all of that, you can't miss a beat. Right. So um, I could see the similarities too in the artists that you named. Those are all artists too that don't they don't release a song unless they have something to say. And I think that's that's a really you know, and it's in the mention to the mentor thing that reminded me of something from this book, too, is that, you know, we talked a lot about the delusional stuff, but he also talks a lot about being humble in here and having gratitude. 
And I think that like having a mentor is somebody who essentially you're essentially admitting, yes, there's there's people out there with something to teach me. And I've met a lot of people in their life, my life who think that there's nobody who has anything to teach them. But like just having a mentor and sort of surrendering yourself to, up to someone bigger than you know than you are is is a is a is a huge part, especially to counteract the delusional part of it too. It's a great point that he makes in this book. Yeah, there's that saying that you always have to be a student. You have, yeah. You should always be open to being a student. Uh, and that was always my thing. I always felt like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna advance at any point, I have to stay a student. Yeah. First, always. Even if I feel like I have something to teach, or I, I I'm at a point where I feel like I can pass down knowledge or share with the next, and and I do. As soon as I feel like somebody can use something I know I'm giving that I'm never I'm, I, I'm not selfish with it I'm not selfish with that like I, right. I'll give the game if I feel like I yeah. can give it to you and you're ready to receive it because that's the thing too they the, like other artists have to be ready to receive it. Right. otherwise it's, it comes off as as you like knowing to like you critiquing them. yeah you critiquing them and you knowing you you them feeling like you think you know you you think you're better those kind of things. So yeah, you always got to be a student. And I think that's something I just pride myself in. It's funny too. This, so this book also reminded me of something. So I don't know if you guys know who Steve Ditko is, but he was the artist that created Spider-Man and Dr. Strange. Like he was the guy, like Stan Lee created them. I don't go on a left turn here, but he created the, the actual idea for the characters, but Steve Ditko designed the characters. So he's created Spider-Man. It's pretty big thing you know a lot a lot of people can say that and i had heard he sort of went into seclusion later in his life and i but i had heard that if you wrote him a letter and his address is on the internet which it was he would write you back and so i wrote him a letter he must have been around 90 at the time that i wrote it and i asked him like what's the piece of advice he would have that i could hang over my drawing table to sort of remind me or give me some motivation or inspiration and I was a little disappointed by what he wrote back. And I got it back in a few weeks at first. But then I realized how valuable the lesson was. And it matches up with this book. And he says, Dear Timothy, since everyone is an individual, what works for one does not work for everyone. One has to want some goal and to be willing to do what one can need to do and to achieve that goal and with no guarantees. Regards, Steve Ditko. And the idea of doing it with no guarantees is taps. It's another way of saying like, be delusional it's like you're doing yeah. this because they're real there isn't you're doing this because it's who you are and it's like you need to you have to embrace it's like you think you want to be an artist but it's doing the work that we're out doing to embrace that and drag it in and then it's actually inside yourself and it's who you are and i think he's making a very similar point to what russ is making and they couldn't be any more different people you know that's one thing i have to say that i definitely agree with because i feel like when it comes to the rap world I feel like a lot of people do have expectations of making it big, do have these right. expectations of going viral. Um, maybe the music world and industry, I mean, the music industry in general, um, people have those expectations. But it's been a hard battle for myself, I have to say, like being around that energy, because there are a lot of people like that in you know the community who and you know there's a balance too but they have these super high goals for themselves and I have those too but at the same time too like I'm okay with the fact of leaving my mark on this world so I definitely see making music writing poetry 
even paintings, um, anything that mining gets to be put on and left in this world, um, yeah. especially my words, that's an achievement on its own, in its own. So um, I definitely agree with that for sure. Um, I talked a little about that when I interviewed him and how like a lot of these people wish for the success, but wouldn't know what, or don't know what to do, wouldn't know what to do with it if they got it. Like if they woke up tomorrow and there was 10,000 because they recorded one song in their bedroom and there's now 10,000 people that want to see them perform, it would end up being the worst day of their life, most likely. I would be scared. <laughs> like, Freaked out. But um, yeah, no, for sure. And I that's something that I struggle with because, you know, I'm an empath. So when people have those yeah. energies around me and it's so competitive, I feel like, oh, I got to be better. Oh, I got to come up with the next album. I got to come up with the best, like the next best song. But then I do have to like reel myself in and remind myself of why I do it personally and just remind myself that that there's no expectations. I'm not going to put expectations on this because I just want to enjoy doing it. Like at the end of the day, I just want to enjoy making music. I want to enjoy performing. Um, right. And that I want to just leave my words in the world with my name on it. So. Yeah. And there's enough sort of recycled garbage out there. It's like, I think... You know, as we're seeing now with AI being able to make it, you know, photo, make drawings and be able to make music and stuff, the more personal you can make something, I think, is really an investment in what the future of art is going to be. Because I think there's going to be more and more of this manufactured art, but it's it's still very hard to manufacture, you know, humanity in, in a way yeah. that translates to people. Yeah, and I could also take that back to um, who inspires me when it comes to um, artists. One inspiration I really take from Drake is the fact that, and I think it's why he's been in the industry for so long, is he's been able to take ideas that have been done already over and over and find a new way to flip it and like put his perspective on it. Um, yeah. Even if not in such a personal way, at least in his own creative perspective. Um, so uh, obviously he's like the king of samples, I would say. But um yeah, that's actually a big inspiration I take from Drake is just that he's able to take those things that are so recycled and somehow still make it into something new that everybody catches on to. And sort of with someone like him, too, where it's like, I, he, you know, he started off as an actor. I, believe, I I know he was on Degrassi and it's like that's something that's so easy to clown him on. But it's also one of the reasons he's so successful, because it's like, you know, Britney Spears started on the Mickey Mouse Club. And it's like all of that stuff. If you're not one of the ones who turns into you know, the coked out 21 year old who can't handle the fame, you're getting a real boot camp in what it's like to be an entertainer and a performer. And these are lessons that I'm just learning now that they learned when they were, you know, pre-pubescent probably, you know. No, for real. even like just being in front of people, being in the public eye, you're definitely getting prepared for what we do now. That's one thing I, <laughs> that's yeah. one thing I get props on from my everyday like coworkers and stuff. They're like, wow, so you, you get up there in front of people and you speak and you perform and you dance. I'm like, yeah, they're like, I could never do that. And I'm like, well, I didn't think I could do that either, but <laughs> I do it. Yeah. I think that's something we, I don't realize. I don't, I don't realize that we're out here doing that effortlessly at a certain point right. until somebody tell until, until somebody brings that to our attention and like, yo, I could not, I would be so nervous to do this. Like, what? Oh, yeah. Like, damn, I forget this isn't like normal. But I feel like they're this. wired differently for some reason. Yeah. It's mm. that, like I said, how when you get on stage and say you have a bad performance, does it make you not want to do it again? 
you're probably not the type who wants to be on stage or wants to be right. Or that, that's so true. Does it give you that drive to get up there and do it again and do it better? I feel like if you are that type of person, you're probably meant for the stage. Probably not yet. Yeah. And to not be the type of person who screws one thing up and then like goes and breaks the mirror in the bathroom. Like I knew some of those people coming up too. I'm like, dude, chill. Like it's like be able to have that right spot in the middle where you're just like okay, like you you have the right. It's right. Self awareness is really what it's about. It's you know. I was like I might break the mirror, but I'm gonna fix it after, and then I'm gonna yeah. do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely had those moments though where you're so frustrated with yourself. He's seen it. Yeah, I see. I get those moments in recording, like when I can't get a certain take down when I'm trying my best, and I know it's obtainable and I just I'm missing a pocket or I'm missing like a word in the cadence like yeah. those are the times where I'll get that frustrated but other than you start lo losing objectivity because it's like it's like if you tell you hear the same joke a hundred times it's not as funny as it as it goes on but it's like it go but like around the 20th time it stops being funny the 30th time it's funny again then it stops being funny the 50th time but then it's funny again so you've said it so many times the 70th, 70th time and it's like when i'm doing all those multiple takes of my songs i'm like okay is this only because i've heard it a million times or i don't know what i'm doing like it's yeah right exactly you have no sense of time no sense of creativity no you're just numb at that point like yeah <laughs> you do it that many times yeah. <laughs> i had to learn too as i got older that um I physically had to change. I had to change because physically my voice couldn't handle doing a hundred takes. I was like, okay, well, they have to make these all matter because I will not be able to talk tomorrow if I do this. And so yeah. it's the physical limit limitations that forced me to make better artistic decisions. But you know, I get like that too. Like I've noticed um, compared to other artists that if I'm even just rehearsing so many times, I can start feeling my voice get tight. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I've started to learn like when to sense it, and that's when I'll tell you, like, okay, I'm good. Like, yeah. Let's wait till we actually perform. That's so crazy because I I wasn't aware of that before. I wasn't aware of that before until like yeah, I started realizing okay, maybe I want to plan this verse out and make sure I have it down. I think see, I think maybe that's where I evolved into not even writing my lyrics down anymore in the phone or writing in the pad no more. I started memorizing like two lines at a time and I would sit there with them until I know for a fact I memorize these two lines and then I'll build on top of that until like I have a good eight nine then I'll put it in my phone just so I won't forget it right even at that I'm still there trying to make sure I have it up here to the T like over and over and over again and under my breath too that way I'm not wasting my breath or not straining my voice my voice mm -hmm. I'm going over it, over it, over it, over it uh, again. And then once I know I have it to where I can, I can also project it how I want to. And it's, it doesn't seem like I'm reading it or it doesn't seem like I'm reading it off the pad. That's where I'm like, okay, cool. This is the best way for me because I'm not straining my voice. I can do at least two to three takes and I'll get this off. I know I'll get it off. And if not, then I'll sit with it again, revise it and keep going over it until I know I can lay this verse down in like two, three, three more, three more takes. And maybe that's, maybe that's how like the album came together so quickly. Because yeah, he's crazy. Uh, he's crazy with that. Like he'll literally just be there and he'll like write a couple things down, like he said. And then, um, yeah, I just see him to himself like, 
and then he'll get on the mic and just do it. And I'm like, that's crazy because me, I have to write. <laughs> that's how the- Biggie did it, according yeah, to what I read I yesterday. I have to write all the lyrics down, and I'm like, you know, what? that's what I was gonna say. That's what I'm trying to actually tap more into is more of like the just letting it flow naturally. I guess when you're actually recording it, yeah. That's a problem I actually have is my first few takes do come out sounding like I'm reading it. Yeah. And then it's until like I've learned it a little bit that I'll get that perfect. Recording. Well, I think what you're talking about um, that you do actually makes a lot of sense. So one of the things that I'll end up doing is I'll, I'll have the same problem, which sounds like I'm reading it because I'll write it and then I think about performing it. But if you and then you realize, oh, I've written something that doesn't perform well with the beat. But if you're sort of writing it, if you're taking that much time to write as you go one at a time, you're you're really reinforcing the melody as you go. And you're not forgetting the way you had it in your head that you should sound. Because I mean, I'll, I'll write like this, like, you know, something that goes up and down like this. But then like when I read it the second time, I won't read it the same melody as I wrote as I wrote it. And then it's now it's crap. But that's a really great way to avoid that. Exactly. And, and and I never understood because they always said Jay-Z uh, never wrote his lyrics down. Yeah, I never understood that. You know, I, I never understood how you could do that. And and it's all of what he does. It's all of the intricacies and all the schemes and all of that until like I got to this point to where it's like, oh, it's not even about it's not even so much about like the uh, the braggadocious factor of not writing nothing down. It's just about like time. It's yeah. more about like, you know, OK. It's it's more time consuming to sit there and like write and write on a on a pen and pad or on the phone and then you're there not reciting it the way you wanted to or how you hear it coming out. So I think that's where that comes from for me. And I, I've just realized that's the most easiest way for me to to get stuff off. Uh because it's so like it, it's quicker for me. And I feel like I don't have to, I don't have to like craft the whole verse in my head also, like right away. I could just do like four or five know I can memorize it, kind of recite it the way I want to, how I'm hearing it in my head, and just add on to it later, even if I got to come back to it. I was going to say, I wish I had the memory for that. And, that, and that's what I was yeah. going to say, too. It's just it's muscle. It's, I feel like memory is a muscle, and you, it, it's, as long as you're doing that, continuously doing that, that's going to sharpen up, too. So I feel like that right there helps you with your recordings and in your performance aspect. So Yeah, true. That's why I practice at that right there. That's, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, what you guys have coming up next. Um, I know you guys are doing some shows. Like, um, what are you what are you planning for the future for you? Um, so we um, we just recently put out a flyer for the Redox tour. Um, so we got together five different cities um, to go perform sets from the album. Um, we already did Haltom City, which is on the outskirts of Fort Worth, Texas. Um, so that one's already crossed out, done. Um, next, we have Austin on 420. Um, then we have New Orleans. Mace. No, no, right after that, we have Savannah, Georgia. Okay. So Savannah, Austin. Georgia is beautiful. I've been, it's, a, it's such a great place. It's going to be our I'm first excited. time. Yeah, excited. Yeah, I've been there. I was there a few years ago. It's really nice. Yeah. So um, Austin, then Savannah, Georgia, then New Orleans. New Orleans. And then back to San Antonio, we have a performance here. Back home here. Yeah. So yeah, that's our um five show tour. <laughs> yeah, that's our five show show uh, tour schedule. That's awesome. Just that um, we're planning, you know, to get even more creative on the performances. 
we performed well in Hotem City. Um, it wasn't a huge crowd. It was a good enough crowd. Um, mostly artists, though. So it was more of like a mixer, um, getting to know people from that city. Um, but we definitely took home notes from that performance. So there was like little cues that we missed that maybe the audience didn't notice. But we noticed it within ourselves. And we're just kind of like, oh, it would have hit better if we did this. Yeah. Um, definitely want to push the album to its like full potential. Want to yeah. get out videos for it, you know. Um, we we really want to just give Video. give the album, you know, to to everyone in in many different ways, as many ways as we can, you know. Yeah, so we're we definitely. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was gonna say we're definitely gonna work on videos, and then when it comes to um, our shows too, we're gonna add more to our merch tables. Um, so right now we have like shot glasses, we have bottle openers. Um, that all have the Redox brand on it. Um, so yeah, working yeah. on that. Yeah. We're doing something right because I mean I've been seeing Shadow, especially you, your videos for month for feels like a long time on Instagram, like other people bigging you up. Um, so like you, you guys, you're getting the word out there. It's and you're getting a great response, and it's it sounds like you're you're really moving in the right direction. Yeah, a lot of people have definitely given us props for um the promotion. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've taken that into account for sure. <laughs> yeah. Any, uh, yeah. So any final words or anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? Um, I would say, okay, you talk first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say, you know, just expect a lot from us. We're not done by a long shot, you know, um, we actually just uh, added Shadow to to the collective labels, and we got a lot in store coming, and um, that's more music from her individually, me individually. You know, we might circle back, do a part two, maybe if that's in the future, if that's in the you know, if it's in the stars. Um, but yeah, just expect more music, more moves, more shows, more videos, visuals um collaborations we're all we're open to that too i produce i i you know i'm getting i'm getting my feet wet in the engineering field i'm getting better at that as time goes on so yeah we're definitely gonna stay busy we're gonna we're gonna be in we're gonna be everywhere we're trying to leave our our footprints you know yeah one thing i do want to highlight before we go is that jt produced or i'm sorry let me do that over we'll cut that <laughs> He goes by JT, but I'll call him Set the Tone T. Um, I was gonna say one thing I do want to highlight is that Set the Tone T produced all but one of those beats on that album. Damn. And he also mixed and mastered that whole album as well. Wow. Then so that's he, a really important talent to have. The more things you can do in-house, the better. It's just, you know. I agree with that. I I and again in that Rust book, it talks about being self-sufficient. And that's that's something I pull like that's a page I'm pulling from that because I feel like that's important. I feel like um, the more, you know, in-house, like you said, you don't really have to outsource for things and you don't have to wait around on anybody. And that's something that's I think if we did, the album wouldn't have got done as quick as it did. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I feel like I, I feel like people can take that and, and uh, perceive it as selfish, I guess, because, you know, you don't want to work with nobody. They can take it as you don't want to work with nobody else. But for me, I feel like it's just it's just better to have more uh, 
more swords in your bag or more tools in the bag, right. you know. So. Yeah, but shout out to him for producing all the beats. But one, like I said, the last one was Pink Kink. Um, Doc actually produced that one. Mm -hmm. And then him working tirelessly at mixing and mastering the album too, getting that done. Um, but yeah, I guess that would be my final words that we worked really hard on this album um, in such a short amount of time, like you pointed out, um, and really poured ourselves into it still so naturally. So if anybody is watching this and hasn't heard the album, definitely go check it out. Um, like I said, we do this off of passion, off of the love of music. Mine stems from the love of writing. So that, you know, makes it even more personal. It's not just a sport for me. Um, so as much as, you know, I hate for promotion to feel so like pushed and just right. robotic. Like it's just, you know, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. But I want you guys to know that even at a personal level, like, you know, we put our hearts into everything that we do. Um, so definitely, if you haven't listened to it, go find your favorite song, listen to that. And hopefully that favorite song will have a video to it. We've already chosen which ones we want to do, but we're not going to announce it. Um, but we will be doing music videos soon. I'm pretty sure the females, for the most part, just looking at the numbers and the stats, I can see which ones. Um, <laughs> A lot of people like, and it's looking like that's going to be one of the videos. So I'm definitely excited for that coming up. Um, so you guys keep an eye out for that. Um, and then thank you to you for having us as well. No um, problem. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I just want to mention, you can really hear the passion. I mean, I, I mentioned throughout this interview that this is it's a really great album. And I think you can really, you, you feel something, some energy come off of it that I thought was unique and special. I would recommend people check it out and, and follow both of you on all your socials and, you know, follow whatever you have coming next and hopefully check you out if you're coming to a town near them. Yes, sure. sir. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Nah, bro. Like, shorty really the female version of me. <laughs> I can't make this shit up. It's like, it's one thing for her to know how to do this, but for her to already mirror me back, it's like, whoa. Hey, little baby, I admit it, I'm stuck on you, true. Haters get mad, they don't have it, but they know what to do with you, cool. Baby, you bet it's my habit, I'll make you choose, ooh. Baby, you got it right now, you got the juice, too. Hey, little baby, I admit it, I'm stuck on you, true. Haters get mad, they don't have it, but they know what to do Whole playbook, baby, and I move like you. Step by step instructions, and can't move in a room. Can't call you my other half, my match. You're all on your own, and it's mad attractive. Man, need to pull, and I'll slide on behalf of the one and the two. Step through like we're dancing. Ooh, it's the passion. Way that you step in the booth and get active. The way that you toe up in boots for the handshakes. No dudes couldn't do it like you, so they move for the views, kill the antics. Tragic the way that they doubt it again and again. I choose you under new circumstances. Magic the way that you look across the room just to catch me back. Hey, little baby, I admit it, I'm stuck on you, true Haters get mad, they don't have it, but they know what to do with you, cool Baby, you bet it's my habit, I'll make you choose, ooh Baby, you got it right now, you got the juice, too
Her imitation too flattering Limitations don't have any image Belong in my gallery Bad gal like Riri Rally behind you and tally it up Diligent strategies add to the love Both going hard, going far and it's rough Tough skin, she don't play hide and seek Up since five, trying to find that streak She a whole dub, pay stubs and receipts Don't rub her the wrong way back to the streets Ask for that peach, homegrown here in Texas Passenger seat, ride for me, I'm reckless Ask for the feature, the flow is a death wish Passion is sweet and you up to my speed, I can sense it Hence the respect that you have out here You a classic and that shit eccentric Hey, little baby, I admit it, I'm stuck on you True, 